Demand for coaching within organizations is exploding. Yet certain barriers seem to be blocking the way for coaching to reach its full potential. In this episode, we will discuss how to expand access to coaching and the best practices every leader and organization should follow. Welcome to the 90th Percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast by Zanger Folkman. Each week, using research from over 1.5 million global assessments of leaders, we analyze different leadership traits, trends, and what it really takes for leaders to get to the 90th percentile. I'm Brianna Corrin, and joining me today is my friend and leadership legend, Jack Sanger. Happy New Year, Bri. Same to you, Jack. Before we begin our episode today, I wanted to let all of our listeners know about an incredible opportunity coming up later this month on January 25th and 27th. Something that we specialize here at Zinger Folkman is developing extraordinary coaches. And we have an incredible development experience that we are offering online and there are a few available seats open for it. So if you are new to Zanger Folkman and would like to attend the Extraordinary Coach for evaluation purposes, you can use this code at checkout to save 50%. It's 22-new, and I'll put that in our episode details. Now, you must register by January 17th, and it's good for up to two people from the same qualifying organization. We only do a public version of the Extraordinary Coach a few times per year, So if you've been wondering about our approach to coaching, please register. We'd love to have you join us. Now, as we reflect on last year's delightful twists and turns uh, that we saw in our own business, uh, one big shift and increase that we definitely saw was this need for organizations to expand coaching both with internal and external coaches. That's correct. While coaching has always been an important part of training and development in most organizations. With all the changes and adjustments with a hybrid workforce, people felt the need for more kind of one-on-one direction. This shift made me consider how organizations can best fulfill those needs. And it involves connecting several dots that have begun to emerge more clearly. Those dots include, number one, the preferred method for executives to learn improved leadership behavior, according to the executives themselves, is coaching. We can speculate about why that is. Maybe it's because it's personal. It is more efficient. It's very focused on them. The list could go on. But the bottom line is that this is the method that they say that they prefer. The second dot that I want to connect is that Coaching makes a major positive impact on the outcome of a leader's development. The International Coaching Federation cites a number of studies showing that coaching normally generates a return on investment of between $4 and $8 for every dollar invested. A Personnel Management Association report noted that coaching combined with training boosts productivity by an average of 86% compared to just 22% with training alone. That's crazy. Now, there was also a Manchester Inc. study on executive coaching's effectiveness, and it revealed that an average ROI of 5.7 times the initial investment of a return of over $100,000. So it is well worth the time 
to give people the one-on-one um, attention to focus on their growth so that they can be more effective and productive. Absolutely. The next point has to do with the approach to coaching that we find most effective, and that is strength-based coaching. It has been shown to produce even more favorable results. Dr. Douglas Mackay wrote a book titled Strength-Based Leadership Coaching in Organizations, an Evidence-Based Guide to Positive Leadership. In it, he describes a rigorous research study showing highly significant changes in leaders' behavior following only six sessions of training on strengths-based coaching. He found that the more closely the participant followed the principles and practices of strength-based coaching, the better the results they achieved. This clearly demonstrated the advantages of focusing on strengths compared to the traditional approach of identifying and focusing on leaders' weaknesses. You know, hearing you talk about that reminds me of an episode we did last year with Kathleen Stinnett, the master of coaching. And she mentioned that one of her favorite aspects of coaching is focusing on strengths. Because she talks about how it just amplifies the positive and finding out what's working with that person. You know, it leads to more positive work environments where individuals grow and thrive and feel good about themselves. Um, You know, not always just picking themselves apart. And I know this isn't all cupcakes and rainbows, um, establishing this productive coaching culture can be difficult and it's a tough skill to develop. So what barriers really get in the way of that? Yeah, I think there are several. One is cost. To the extent that external coaches are used, the the fees for that can quickly mount up. Uh, The second one is availability. You know, given that there are no barriers to someone hanging up their shingle and proclaiming themselves an executive coach, the challenge is to to find qualified, competent coaches who really do produce good results with the people that they're coaching. The the third issue, I think, is, is equity. Coaching in times past was reserved for those leaders who were one step away from being terminated. Those days are fortunately long gone. Now the question is, how do you allocate a scarce resource among many eager and deserving candidates who want and, and need coaching? Uh, lots, lots of those very real barriers. But, but again, coaching is so valuable. And I think what, what is so valuable from it is that relationship that people have with a great coach. So how, how do you make that relationship be so effective and valuable to people? I think there are several components of this coaching relationship that make it work and valuable. Uh, Among them are, number one, that coaching provides accountability for progress. The coach stays with the person in the long run and helps them to, you know, to kind of set milestones and to measure their progress. Secondly, coaching brings a long-term sustainability of progress and change. Uh, thirdly, coaching elevates people's self-confidence and their self-esteem because the coach is helping the individual to find solutions from within themselves. Uh, the next 
quality that coaching has is that it provides a very constructive mirror for the person being coached with the coaching helping the person to recognize where they engage in self-deception or they have blind spots regarding the impact of their behavior of which they're totally unaware. Uh, another is that coaching provides much like a running partner on the path of personal development. The strength of the, of the relationship makes a huge difference. And just in general, what we've seen from all the research is that the likelihood of change goes way up when the coaching is attached to any kind of development experience. Yeah, especially when you talked about, you know, people's blind spots um, that they really aren't aware of. Uh, and it's just so sad for the people that, that don't gain more awareness of those and can't really know how to change. So that is so valuable. Um, now, when it, com- when it comes to those blind spots and the individual being coached, trusting the feedback they get about those, um, what does the coach primarily bring that can make those experiences so successful? Well, let me begin by saying what the coach does not need to bring. He or she does not need to be an expert in the discipline that the person who is receiving coaching currently manages. Coaching also doesn't include the prerequisites of being older or wiser or more educated. We submit that the coach primarily brings a process or an overall framework for every discussion. The coach doesn't control or own the content of the conversation with the person being coached, but the coach should orchestrate the process that's being followed. Good coaching operates with a framework, and that framework can be learned and applied in virtually every conversation relating to the person's performance in their organization. Okay, here, here's another tough question. Uh, do you get an internal or an external coach? I mean, there, there are definitely pros and cons to both. <laughs> yes, there are. So colleagues in an organization, in my opinion, can be trained to be capable coaches. You know, to some it comes naturally. To others it requires more diligent learning. But the skill can be acquired. The most difficult challenge is to have the aspiring coach obtain a clear understanding of what coaching is and what it is not. In the book, The Extraordinary Coach, that Kathleen Stinnett and I wrote, we offer this definition of coaching. Interactions that help the person being coached to expand their awareness, to discover superior solutions, and make and implement better decisions. Noticeably absent from that definition is anything about advice giving or providing new direction. Indeed, business coaching is the antithesis of the junior high school athletic coach who is constantly giving directions to the players. That pattern of telling people what to do and how to do it better permeates most coaching in the world of athletics. Therefore, the use of internal coaches is not a revolutionary idea. Whirlpool in the early 2000s established a program that used an external leadership coaching consultant to develop a cadre 
of internal organizational coaches. One fundamental that makes coaching successful is the nature of this relationship between the two people involved. I submit that internal coaches who understand the culture in which they both function, who have some degree of knowledge of one another, resulting from past interactions and experiences together, will have a leg up in building a trusting relationship. That then increases the likelihood of coaching being successful. Yeah. Now, you've written a lot about um, executive coaching over the years, and you have mentioned a lot about how, how things have changed. So what are, the, what are some of the old assumptions that we may need to break free from? Well, in addition to, to questioning the assumption that good coaching requires someone from the outside, there's also the assumption that coaching is advice-giving, Additionally, we need to find to move beyond the assumption that this is always a one-on-one interaction. Counselors and clinical psychologists have learned that group counseling can be highly effective and is obviously far more cost-effective. We believe groups of leaders could come together with a trained facilitator who provides that same framework for a productive conversation. But what I've just said should in no way be interpreted to diminish the value and the great contribution of external coaches. They are extremely helpful and necessary and appropriate for the CEO and many senior executives or for someone with an especially challenging circumstance or or challenging behavior. The points we've discussed in this podcast are simply a way for the benefits of coaching to be made available to a much wider audience. The 90th Percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast was written and recorded by Brianna Corin and Jack Sanger and produced by Zanger Folkman. If you're interested in learning more about Zanger Folkman's award-winning 360-degree assessments, leadership and coaching offerings, or would like to attend our monthly leadership webinar series hosted by Jack Sanger and Joe Folkman, visit our website at sangerfolkman.com. If you like our podcast, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and be sure to leave us a nice review. All resources and links to the research referenced in this episode can be found in the episode details or on our podcast page on sangerfolkman.com.